Welcome to a brand new episode of This Week in Apps. I'm Ariel from App Figures, and here's what you need to know this week in apps. A new app rose to the top charts this week, if only for a brief moment. But that brief moment reminded me of another app that isn't similar in features, but is in business essence. Well, maybe a little bit in features. FRFR, all lowercase for some reason, is an anonymous voice messaging app. Yes, anonymous and voice, a perfect combo. I don't know, you tell me. It's simple icon, basic essence, screenshots, and overall tone reminded me a lot of Gas. Remember Gas, the app that took the top charts by storm last year using growth tactics? Some would consider Black Hat. Accumulated millions of downloads and then got sold to Discord and disappeared almost as quickly as it appeared. That's the one. I think the only winners there were the founders, for real. But FRFR officially launched in April and hasn't seen any real traction until the beginning of May when downloads started rising. A little at first, 7,000 up from just a few hundred the day before, this in one single day. And then fast, peaking at 170,000 on Saturday, according to our app intelligence. Like most other flyby hits and unlike gas, FRFR's downloads drop right after they peaked, but are still trending high. As of Wednesday, FRFR already had 729,000 downloads across the App Store and Google Play. The majority of those, 85% to be more precise, came from the App Store, and the majority of those, 77%, came from the US. No real surprises there. Does anyone really want anonymous voice messages, though? I definitely don't, but I'm probably not their target demographic. By the way, the FR in FRFR stands for For Real. I think at least. I only know that because there's another app called FR that's trying to get some traction right now, even though in its name it says Frog. We'll see what comes out of that eventually. Speaking of Discord, though, demand for Discord, much like demand for most digital ways to communicate, grew sharply in 2020 and continued steadily into the pandemic. For Discord, that meant downloads rising from roughly 6 million in January to 20 million in October, according to our estimates. That was the peak for Discord, which refused to take $10 billion from Microsoft so it can go it alone. Now, that peak was kind of the end of growth for Discord. After hitting peak in 2020, downloads started sloping down every month. November dropped to 13 million, and by March of 2022, downloads were half 10 million, according to our estimates. By the end of 2022, downloads dropped to 8.7 million, and as of April 2023, downloads are down to 7.2 million, almost where they started pre-pandemic. Considering Discord is a gamer tool that's more likely to run on a desktop than a mobile device, this does make some sense. But the real question is, does Discord really need to be a gamer app? Tools like AI art generator Midjourney are exclusively running on Discord and don't have any other interfaces. That plus the amazing amount of moderation tools Discord has built in and that it's free to use for communities, unlike Slack, should make it into a more mainstream tool, should. At least that's what I hope to see. And if you ask me, its main challenge to getting there is its dark theme and really confusing UI. Fix that and goodbye Slack for communities. I actually have a question for you. Are you more likely or less likely to join a professional community, say for app marketing, if it's on Discord, asking for a friend? And speaking of app marketing, the App Store is about to turn 15 in a few months. And while it's changed drastically since launching in 2008, one thing remained constant prices. Apple's tier system has been the same for the most part since inception. That meant the minimum price for anything in the App Store was 99 cents in the US and in US dollars, that is. Recently, Apple changed that with the introduction of what feels like a set your own price system, even though it really isn't. There's just a lot of tiers. 
that got me curious to see how many apps will drop below 99 cents. And the answer is 220 paid apps cost under 99 cents right now. Yes, 220. Is that a lot? Is that a little? Well, it's it's a little. It's it's very little. That's 0.28% of all paid apps in the App Store. And roughly 5% of all apps are paid to begin with, so it's a very small number. That makes sense. Paid apps are pretty much dead in 2023. And yet, there are 77 apps that dropped their price to 29 cents and 97 apps priced at 49 cents right now, the two largest groups under a dollar. I asked a few developers why they chose a strategy over in-app purchases, and the answer surprised me a bit. International markets? Apparently, some users in countries like India prefer low-cost, paid-up-front apps over subscriptions or in-app purchases, and by prefer, I mean enough to pay versus skip. Overall, this represents just a tiny portion of potential users, so I don't expect to see paid pricing return thanks to these new tiers. But I do expect to see more usage coming from in-app purchases and subscriptions where more flexibility in pricing could mean huge gains across the globe. I'll be looking at in-app purchases in the near future, so make sure you're subscribed to get that. All right, April is behind us, which means it's time to check in on Snapchat mobile revenue. I like to do that with big platforms that are predominantly monetizing with ads and only recently started experimenting with in-app purchases. That's exactly why I've been following Twitter as well. Although Snapchat's revenue growth is best described as slow and steady, when I checked the numbers, I noticed April was a good month for Snapchat. And by good, I mean the month with the most month-over-month -month growth since rolling out the in-app purchase. According to our estimate, Snapchat ended April with $8.7 million of net revenue from the App Store. That's what Snap gets to keep after giving Apple its share. And I'm focusing on the App Store because Google Play just isn't contributing that much yet. Comparing this to March's total, it's an increase of 13.7%. I wouldn't call it super fast, but when we start looking back, revenue grew 11.7% in March and 11% in February. So I'm sure Snap is really happy about that. I keep coming back to this, but Snap is selling early access to features here and not anything exclusive or different. So they're essentially selling status. It's nice, but in the current economic climate, they need to offer more to grow faster, in my opinion. And last for this episode, Disney announced this week that it will bring content from Hulu into its flagship Disney Plus app later this year. On the surface, this seems like a negligible change. Disney already bundles Disney Plus and Hulu subscriptions and has been doing that for quite some time. But when we focus on the mobile side, it really isn't. This consolidation, especially after HBO Max announced a similar consolidation with Discovery Plus, means the equation for success has changed for streaming platforms. See, the pandemic made it clear that streaming platforms can become very successful if they have the right content. That's why HBO and Disney brought their best movies to streaming as quickly as possible, even skipping theaters or going back-to-back -back with theaters. And that's what turned them into the top-grossing apps in the U.S. since they really launched. But content isn't easy and both slowed down a bit. And as the content slowed, so did the downloads. This year alone, Disney Plus's monthly downloads are down 28%, from a little over 9 million to under 7 million downloads, according to our estimates. HBO Max is down even more, but revenue isn't, and that's the key to all of this. According to our estimates, Disney Plus's App Store revenue grew nearly 400% since 2020. In more absolute terms, the streamer ended April with $72 million of net revenue from the App Store, its biggest month of revenue to date. And that's net, meaning what Disney gets to keep after giving Apple its share. 
Hulu's revenue growth rate isn't far behind. It grew to $28 million of net revenue in April, a 250% increase when compared to January of 2020. Fewer downloads, yet more revenue. Both services have increased their prices over time, but that's not really it. The increase in revenue comes directly from the services learning how to monetize on mobile. And that's the golden ticket. Now all they need is more downloads to monetize, which is what Disney hopes will happen when it brings Hulu's catalog, including TV shows, which Disney Plus doesn't really have, into the flagship app, making it a true destination for everyone and not just hardcore Disney fans. That would make it unstoppable if you ask me. And that's all I have for you this week. If you've learned something new, make sure to give the episode a like and consider subscribing if you aren't already. I'll see you next week.